you've probably heard that food waste is a major environmental challenge. In fact, if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world. But did you know that one-third of all veggies and fruit grown worldwide are tossed away before they even reach the consumer? Often because they are deemed too bumpy, too small, or imperfect. I've worked with sustainable food systems for over a decade, and this still blows my mind. Are ugly vegetables the black swans of the plant world? What do curly carrots and the Game of Thrones have in common? And why is the market for misfit fruit and veggies suddenly taking off in Norway and China? I'm Afton Halloran, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. I was raised on a farm where we grew our own fruit and vegetables. The apples were so sweet and juicy, and the carrots were so tasty that you could just pull them right out of the ground and eat them. They never looked anything like the ones that you would buy in the supermarket. A few holes in the lettuce, a knobby potato, or a scarred pear never fazed us. It was normal. Imagine you're out shopping. You come back to your kitchen, and you throw away one-third of what you've just bought. Absurd, right? Yet, 33% of the food that we produce is never eaten. In the Nordics alone, each year we throw away more than 3 million tons of food. And in China, the most populous country in the world, the four cities of Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu, and Lhasa alone waste 18 million tons of food every year. That's enough to feed twice the population of all the Nordic countries combined. In today's episode, we'll take a closer look at fruits and vegetables that don't make the cut and try to answer two mind-boggling questions. How is imperfect produce handled in the food industry? And why are consumers in Norway and China waking up to the fact that ugly fruits and vegetables need love too? It's November 21st, 2019. I'm at the Gourmet Library in Shanghai, ahead of the Don't Let Good Taste Go to Waste dinner, hosted by the Finnish, Danish, Norwegian, and Swedish consulate generals. I'm meeting two food waste superheroes from Norway and China to learn more about avoidable food waste. Last year in 2018, we wasted 390,000 tons of edible food waste. So that's not the bones, peels, uh, and, uh, and that kind of things. It's like the edible food that should have been uh, eaten. This is Erik Vold. Erik is from Norway, where he works for a non-profit organization called Matvet. Matvet is owned by stakeholders in the Norwegian food industry. The organization's main goal is to prevent and reduce unnecessary food waste across the entire value chain. According to Erik, one of the biggest challenges in Norway is that fruit and vegetables are being tossed away before they even make it to market. What we know is that too much food is getting wasted there too, uh, only because like carrots, potatoes that doesn't fit the right size, uh, it doesn't get to the stores. What Eric is referring to are the so-called beauty standards for fruit and veg. These standards are found at national and international levels. 
Take the European Union, for example. It has a system of classifying the aesthetics of fresh food. Let's say you're going grocery shopping in Helsinki. You would probably never even notice that your cucumbers and oranges have passed through a series of tough grading systems that make sure that your food is free from defects. Sounds like some kind of exam for plants, doesn't it? But what does this really mean? Well, these veggies need to live up to a strict set of standards, like uniform size, shape, and color. In reality, this means that even the slightest wrinkle, blemish, or disfiguration results in the downgrading of the product, making them almost impossible to sell. And many of them never stand a chance to leave the farm. On top of that, private supermarket chains impose their own beauty standards, expecting nothing less than perfection. Because of this, farmers around the world waste a substantial amount of their production each year, and in order to survive, they make up for this by overproducing. But why are we imposing such harsh standards? If it is beautiful or not, I think it comes from the insights of, uh, of the consumers. Eric and I are joined by Fred Yang. Fred is an advocate for farmers in China and the founding director of Urban Rural Bridge. He spends his time helping Chinese farmers reduce their food waste through better planning and by connecting local farmers and urban consumers. According to Fred, vegetable beauty standards exist because urban consumers know little about farming and nature. If they don't understand nature, they will just follow the advertisements in the cities. But I understand understand them because they don't have the access to the to nature and they don't have don't have the knowledge about uh, real food. And I think the solution to that is uh, we try to educate, not educate, maybe to get uh, to make a chance for the uh, city people to get connected with the nature and they understand and get more knowledge about about food. Well, that's uh, what exactly I'm doing. Uh, we, I'm working on a project called Urban and Rural Bridge. We wanted to bridge the two sides through you know, kind of uh, IT technology, like an app, and get them inter- interacted between each other, you know, visit each other, talk to each other, communicate with each other, and they understand each other. And then, I mean, human beings have the tendency, have the inclination for nature because they are, we evolved from nature. So if there is a chance, they will go to nature. So we need to create such a, such a bridge for the two sides. And then they, I think they will try to understand the nature better. Ugly or imperfect vegetables are being ignored in Norway and China. And maintaining flawlessness is a big part of the problem, despite the fact that we're talking about perfectly edible food. So how do we change that? According to both Eric and Fred, it's about shifting consumer mindsets and bringing them closer to nature. In Norway, one successful way of doing this is through teaming up with some very interesting role models. First of all, we have to change the mindset of the consumers. They have to accept that an ugly potato or like an imperfect potato uh, tastes the same. So uh, in Norway, we had a really big uh, show now on national broadcast where one of the Game of Thrones heroes, from there he talked about uh, the ugly carrots, they taste good, and then that we Norwegians should start uh, to eat it. So we need role models to talk about it, and I think uh, think that that can be uh, an important factor. In order to change consumer behavior, 
both Eric and Fred believe that it's necessary to start early and involve children from a young age. And they're happy that both Norway and China have recently included classes about sustainability in food and farming in public schools. You have to start um, with this focus from early ages. So next year, which is really good, is that um, it will be um, a topic uh, on the next year, like focus in school. So all schools have on their agenda to talk about food when it comes to sustainability, how demanding uh, it is to produce food and how we should uh, all together help reducing food. So that's actually on the school agenda or plans for next year. In China, Fred believes that a focus on sustainability in the classroom is a sign of bigger changes throughout the country, where food waste reduction is getting more public attention. I think there, uh, there's a great change now in China, especially in the school. Uh, my son is 10 years old, and now he was uh, also taught some gardening lessons in the school. And uh, it was uh, compulsory courses from, from, uh, from, from the government that all the school students should have uh, some um, lessons in nature, in, in, in farming, you know, which is, which is great. So I think the, uh, we have already started the in- initiatives in China. According to Eric, the same tendency is unfolding in Norway, both on a consumer level but also within the food industry itself. Yeah, it's a really hot topic now and, uh, and the awareness is uh, increasing. Uh, I don't think you find a big, large company that works in food, like either uh, if it's a manufacturer uh, or it's a um, supermarket or it's a um, uh, hotel or canteen, which doesn't have food waste and the UN Sustainable Development Goal. Uh, 12.3, which talks about how to have food waste. So all of these companies, they have um, baked this into their strategy and they all have a really large focus to reduce it. One thing is that it's of course good for the environment, but it's also really profitable for the business. And that's the same at at the consumer level. Um, If we waste less food, we save more money. So I think general, that's been a focus behind people, but now it's even more. So it sounds like there's a lot of interesting initiatives happening both in Norway and China, and that the industry, consumers and government are becoming increasingly aware about the need to reduce food waste. But what can you actually do to enable consumers to take a stand against unrealistic and unsustainable restrictions on what vegetables should look like? When talking to Eric and Fred, I was surprised to learn how two very different countries have come up with very similar solutions. In both cases, they use modern technology to connect consumers directly to farmers, creating alternative sales channels. What we have seen in an uh, initiative in Norway now to save those kind of crooked uh, or imperfect uh, fruits and veggies are that we connect local farmers with local consumers through Facebook groups. So where you can find your local Facebook group, where local farmers, they sell them directly to the consumer. So it's a win-win situation. The consumers, they buy it for less money, and all of the money goes directly to the farmer. So it's a win-win situation. And the food, of most important, get rescued. Um, we are working on, the, on an application called Urban Rural Bridge. We try to uh, empower the, the small-scale farmers uh, to plan their production 
better based on the on the orders from directed from the uh, consumers in the city. And then they, they have the really efficient plan for their production. And then when it is harvested, then it can be transported directly to the end consumers, including the restaurants and the families. And I think that uh, that will help a lot reduce the waste. And in Norway, it's not just the imperfect vegetables that are being saved. It's also surplus food from restaurants, for example. If you're talking about the, the, um, how to reduce food waste at uh, hotels, canteens, restaurants, it's an app now in Norway called Too Good To Go. And uh, you probably have it in Denmark too. And it's a brilliant idea uh, on how, for example, hotels can sell uh, their overproduction from the buffet to consumers. So as a consumer, you can log into the app, you'll find the nearest uh, restaurant or hotel, and you can go into the app and buy it and then pick it up later that day at the hotel. I think they have reached uh, one million uh, downloading in Norway and we are a bit over five million people. In Shanghai, I've noticed these little signs that they've been placing on restaurant tables to recommend diners to only order as much food as they need. It's really interesting because in China, generally people are going out with their families and ordering a lot of different dishes and a lot of food. It's clear to me that food culture and the way that people are responding to food waste is changing in China. There has been uh, lots of changes here. Like 10 years ago when you came to China and you, you went to the restaurants or hotels, you would see maybe really big banquets and feasts with uh, lots of uh, waste food on the, on the tables after the banquets. Because... Uh, you know, the people wanted to show their own hospitality as a host. And even with uh, like small-scale dining, like with friends, there still was some really lots of uh, food waste. But now, I think it has started from uh, some organizations or, or the media has tried to uh, advocate finishing off your dish in the, in, the, in, in the restaurants. And some restaurants were just started to say, wow, if you don't finish off your dish, then you you will be fined, like two two RMB or ten RMB. You know, it's a, maybe it's not that serious, but still, you know, there has been the change. But anyway, there is a long way to go. China has a such a big population. It's not just China and Norway that are coming up with innovative solutions to bumps, scratches, and blemishes. In the rest of the Nordics, there's been a boom in the number of entrepreneurs and organizations transforming the way we think about food. Last year, I ate this really delicious meal at Loop, a restaurant in Helsinki that serves meals made from produce that has been rescued from local farms. There are also really interesting companies like Grimm in Denmark, who offer a subscription service to a box of funny-shaped vegetables delivered right to your door. And I recently heard about a product called Ugly, developed by students in Iceland. It's a kind of paste made from vegetables that would otherwise be wasted. And Coop, one of the largest supermarket chains in the Nordics, has created a space to sell wonky vegetables in their stores in Sweden. At the end of my conversation with Erik and Fred, I asked them what actions we as consumers can take to reduce food waste and stand up against unrealistic standards of appearance. Respect your farmer. Shake hands with your farmer and buy sustainable food from them. 
Yeah, and look in your fridge before you go to the store and don't go to a store with an empty stomach. We see that that can create um, over consumption. And also, when you go to your daily canteen uh, at work or if you are uh, on a holiday and at a restaurant, it's allowed to go several times and uh, take food from the buffet. You don't need to like make this tower on your plate. So uh, And have respect for the food. I totally agree with Fred here. Have respect for your food. Don't overconsume. Here at the Nordic Talks podcast, we're all about starting conversations and inspiring listeners worldwide to act to create a more sustainable world. Personally, I got a lot out of this talk with Fred and Eric. They showed us that with some help, consumer behavior can be changed for the better. It's really incredible to hear about so many new initiatives and businesses that are springing up and shifting mindsets. What I find promising is that the industry is coming on board too. Big changes would be impossible to make without them. And after the great meal that was prepared at the Gourmet Library, it became clear to everyone that you can't taste the difference between a straight and a crooked carrot. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening to Nordic Talks.